If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's America. The Blubbity Blah. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Lisa Campion a little bit later. Awakening Your Psychic Abilities is the book. We're going to chat about all sorts of psychic stuff and astral travel and all sorts of fun stuff like that. We got everybody's favorite podcaster, Graham, still on the injury list. Dunlop. I'm back on. What do you mean, still on? I'm back. On. Well, you weren't, I don't think you were ever really off. Dude, I went and played the other night. I, I played through the injury. So, so I, you weren't. You shouldn't have been off the injury list. Because you're clearly still no, injured. No, I, I have new but injuries. You have a fresh, these are new injuries. I have new injuries now. This is how fucking crazy it is. I have like five injuries I'm dealing with right now. This is not fun. I mean. Give us a breakdown from worst. Well, I don't know. I got my ankle. I blocked a shot. See, this is where not, not being in shape doesn't really matter. I I, I took a shot. A hard shot, like hundred miles an hour. Like I thought, maybe it shattered my ankle, but it just hit me right. Hundred miles an hour. Yeah, like, dude, the, dude, the guy that is on our team can shoot like as hard as possible to shoot a ball. Oh well, yeah, dude, I could almost shoot it hundred miles at my size. This guy can really whack it, dude. I had one of the highest wrist and slap shot combinations together back in the day. So when what we, were you ironing? That well, you and you got radar. So, yeah, dude, seventy mile an hour wrist shot. Um, what was the slap shot? It's like 92, 80, 86, 88, maybe. 86 is a long way from 100 miles an hour. 92, I think maybe maybe 90. I can't remember. That was one of them. That's like you're fucking blowing smoke out your ass, Dunlop. I need to bring <laughs> a radar gun. I wonder where you can get a radar gun these days. I feel like they're easier to get with all like because now they're like a construction safety product. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had to have the cops bring them to our, our practices. That's what it was. Like the co- you know, your buddy would be a cop and he'd bring it and we'd set it up behind the net. Anyways, no. so that was just a bruise. You got a hundred mile hour slap shot in the ankle. You thought you shattered it. It was just a bruise. I walked it off, got back into the game, and oh, then wait. towards the end of the game, you I pulled my hamstring. Off. I was like three on one with the ball, my hamstring tweak. I'm like, holy fuck. So I, I finally made a smart decision and didn't play the rest of the game. And now I'm just fucking on ice and uh, recovering. Like How far into the game did you have to call it quits? Right towards the end, like five minutes left. Uh, so you weren't like a total pussy. It no, wasn't like no. a parent. It was like, you know. I feel like if you have to leave the game and it's not at least the last oh, know, yeah, 15 yeah. minutes, you look like a total fucking... Yeah, but I was like, no, I'm not going to play it. Because we were getting spanked again, too. I mean, that's... That's the other problem. We've just been getting our asses kicked. Are you a sore loser? I'm I mean, I started off the season fine. I was all chipper. Everything's good. Now I'm just getting super frustrated. I'm like, oh my God, I'm just getting our asses kicked. 
Have you broken any sticks? No. No. No, I don't do that kind of. I, well, I slap him around. I used to play with a real stick slammer. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just, so I'm just nursing it. But, it, you know, it's like. Well, you only got to two. You have the ankle and the hammy. Well, those are the two latest ones. And I still have my, my Achilles problem and my shoulder and my knee, but my knee's not bad. My shoulder's not bad. It's a chronic one. That's just coming back. It's, it's uh, yeah, I think that's it. What else? Yeah, I think that's it. So. Well, shit. I'm feeling pretty good. I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back soon. That's good. But I'm missing well, the knee tonight. Back. Yeah. Just fight through the injuries. You'll be okay. Uh, but dude, I gotta get in. Sh- I should not have played being so out of shape. I really, I've already lost. Uh, just in two days, I've lost four pounds. I just, I'm going on a f- bit of a fasting diet kind of thing. Um, I need to. I need to. This is the, that was my bottom. After that that night was my my physical fitness bottom. It's rock bottom. It's rock bottom for like from a physical fitness standpoint. I'm like, oh my god. Because you know why my fucking hamstring went and I wasn't even doing anything. I wasn't even sprinting that hard. I was just casually going over the line and then I got I got it tweaked. Yeah, well, I mean, dude, I've been telling you for almost a year no. now that at your age you need to get off the bench. I know, I gotta get in shape. I was I and the only reason I, I brought it up is because I was starting to worry even at my age that I'm you know. A fair bit younger than you. A decade younger than me. So it's going to be definitely. But if you hammer down for the summer, you could go into the fall. Ship shape. Oh, it even won't take me long, dude. Like a couple, even a couple of weeks of just this fasting diet, a little bit of exercise every day, and I'll be back on it. Every day I'm hustling. I'm doing but I wanted to mention, what I wanted to mention about Lisa Campion, like this is a fantastic episode. Um, it was it was more than I expected it would be. I mean, we talk about awakening your psychic ability, which is important, and the difference between that and intuition and all that stuff. But but we also get into some of her fascinating background about being sort of into martial arts as a young girl and uh, going to the Shaolin Shaolin temples and pushing like seeing like these masters push chi and shit. So it's it's a and we talk about fascinating UFO sightings with the uh, night vision goggles. Like it's it's pretty cool. Absolutely. It's good stuff. Yeah. What's going on with you? Do you do you want to talk about anything personal? Me? Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. Oh, well, we should mention one. Let's mention the new Grimerica Outlawed that we have. So we have this whole other show, Grimerica Outlawed, which is usually interview style. Second half for subs only on either locals or Substack or on the GrimericaOutlawed.ca website, right? As a podcast. Oh yeah, and then we now we started doing the our roundups, which are gonna are once weekly. One week is free. One next week is for our subscribers, and it's kind of like uh, probably the only other place of the intro where you could hear us talk, but talk politics and uh, pop culture, culture, and culture pop culture war stuff. Yeah, so you have a grammaricalaw.ca. You can watch it on YouTube. You can check all that stuff out. We'll have one. The free ones will be sort of mainstream political, all sorts of that stuff. The only from mostly from a Canadian perspective. A lot of Indian stuff slid in, of course, because I'm an Indian. And uh, then the next week will be, you know, a little more hard hitting, where we go after some of the trans agenda stuff, the COVID stuff. That you know, we can 
make a list a mile long. I mean, all of the vaccination conversation is third row now, not just the COVID one. So there's a bunch of stuff we can get into. Pedophilia. I mean, not into it, like we're into it, but talk about how terrible it is. Um, and we're going to do all that. Now we've started doing sort of a news roundup show where we can talk about that kind of stuff. We don't want to do it here because we haven't done it here historically. But if that's something you guys are into, have a go AmericaOutlaw.ca. Search America Outlaw in your podcast player. The first episode will come out this week. So check it out. See you Yeah, and other than this, we don't really have a platform for that because our other stuff is interview style. So we, you know, we can kind of talk about our points of view a little bit along the way on some of those interviews, depending on which ones. But this will sort of give us more of an outlet because I, we get all these things coming across our our desk all the time, interesting articles, stuff that doesn't get talked about enough from the Canadian side of things, and you know, even the scientific substack sort of side of things that like I've been keeping an eye on all this and I, we don't really have anywhere to talk about it. So we're just going to do this whole other thing. And you guys can check it out. Let us know yeah. if you like it. If that's something you, something you like. So what about you? What's new in your personal life? Well, we are, we already talked about it. It's just the, you know, we already, we already went there. This is our last week for holidays. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do a bunch of prepping, I guess, uh, pre, pre-recording pre intros and stuff for you. You're going away for a couple of weeks? Yeah, so for a few weeks, the intros will probably be you know, a little shorter. We're going to pre-prep them, so we'll probably record a bunch this weekend and Monday. Get ready, I'll be gone. Down in the USA for the 4th of July and for a couple of weeks. Down in Oregon and California and check out a bunch of national parks and state parks. And this time with the kids in tow and uh, the missus and the camper. So we'll have a time. We'll be down there for two or three weeks, checking out all the sites and uh, coming at you. So if you're down that route somewhere along the way, you want to meet for coffee or something like that, and it's something I can swing, if it's someplace I'm hanging out, let me know. Maybe we can do something. Uh, Other than that, I'll be hanging out pretty low-key for a couple of weeks. Cool. Yeah. That'll be good. You'll be here working, slaving. Well, I might have to take off for a few days, but I'll be I'll be working as much as I can, yeah. Heading out to Sasland. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. What a great place to go. You know, I've never been to Saskatoon though. It might be better than Regina. Regina's a real piece of shit. <laughs> I had a hockey a real shame. Hockey turn- I had a terrible hockey tournament there once and oh yeah, it was a disaster. As a kid or No, as an adult shit. When you're still boozing? No, no, it wasn't actually. I think it was after that. After you cleaned up your act? Yeah. So, it was, but it was just like you say, it was just, ugh. Saskatoon's a, a pretty little town, I guess. But I don't know, man. A lot of these cities are, they're struggling, dude. They're struggling. The homeless, well, we drug addiction, the, the crime. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of just happening all over. I think we just had three cities voted in the top, uh, Top to live in Canada. The top one? I think three Canadian cities were just voted out of the top in the world. Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, maybe. Wow, that's interesting. It is. You know, the more places I visit, the more I don't mind Calgary as far as cities go. I'm not a big city fan. I prefer, you know, smaller cities or towns or the country or the bush. But uh, as far as like cities of over a million people go, Calgary's not bad. There's a lot of real fucking shitholes out there. 
And, uh, you know, Calgary's got some shithole-ness to it. But all in all, it's not bad. I don't mind it. Yeah. The winter really clears out the homeless. So it keeps that at a sustainable level. And we don't have as many crackheads as Vancouver. So again, I think that's winter related, probably like government related too. Well, it's still, it's, 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 still, started, creeping, it's still started creeping around, uh, like in a greater circle, the, the crime and the unsafe feeling of walking around in the city started getting. Expected. Oh, downtown's like the walking den. Yeah. When was the last time you were down there? Uh, you come to work with me one day and just a long like, time ago. <laughs> yeah. See what it's like by the it's crack good. and stuff. It's just fucking, it's at a level I never thought possible. We should do a podcast. Yeah, we'll do a podcast from uh, the truck. Well, I don't know about <laughs> podcasting, Jim. Because the problem is, how, you know, the real, I mean, you could probably go down there early on a Saturday or Sunday morning and see some shit, but the real, like, the real uh, dystopian aspect of it is seeing it all alongside the daily hustle and bustle. You know, I look, there's like a bunch of people hiding under a little makeshift shelter made out of shopping carts and jackets, smoking crack next to that daycare. <laughs> yeah. You know, and everyone, no one cares. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. What am I going to do? You know, that's oh, kind of situation you tell people to move along, but one of those motherfuckers will stab you. I want to get into that. If if anybody has an and a suggestion of, of who to talk to about addiction, I mean, I should know better being in recovery and all that. But I mean, I've tried to get a hold of some people. I I do have some people we can go to. But I, if anybody has somebody they they think would be a good guest, I do want to talk about that a little bit. This harm reduction thing. Actually, we should probably just take do the get the person I know on about it. Sure. I think she's an advocate for harm reduction. I'd like to push back on that a little bit. Yeah. What's harm reduction? I'd say lock the motherfuckers up at this well, point. <laughs> that's definitely anti-harm reduction. Okay. <laughs> harm, harm reduction sounds good, but it's a pretty wide umbrella that encompasses a whole bunch of different things like harming themselves, harming other people, harming the environment, harming the neighborhood, the community. Maybe we don't have to lock them up, but we got to get them the fuck off the street somehow. Well, that that's so that's very controversial, right? This is encouraging it. Well, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'd be happy to have that conversation with someone and present the side of fucking lock them up. For example, let's say you have a safe injection site somewhere, but you you can't force them to use in that building, so. Because, I was able to be because, a you're harming, because you're hurting their feelings, you're harming them so that you're allowing them to go onto the street in somebody's doorway of their apartment complex to use needles and smoke crack or whatever it is you're doing there. So Why you're, you're, you're worried about the rights of the person who's using the free the the, the stuff. Here's you're not worried about no, no, the, no, no, no. the people that live in the area that have to walk out of their apartment with their pets with all this paraphernalia around or with not feeling safe because there's people using hard drugs right there. Yeah, yeah. So what about what, those? What about what? But yeah, yeah. But, 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 I don't know. I don't understand the first sentence. The rights of the person doing the drugs. I mean, the that's, the, what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Fucking rights to forfeit by doing that kind well, of shit in public. I mean, I'm all for freedom. You want to go home and do some drugs? That's fucking fine. If you, you know, I don't even know if you can find a tent someplace under a bridge. I don't fucking care. Just keep it off the street away from the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it does. 
time and time again, people want to say it's fucking victimless. But time and time again, it's someone who's not a fucking drug addict getting stabbed or beat or blah, 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 you know, fill in the fucking blank. That's the people who get fucked up. So what did they, what, where do the, their rights begin? Yeah, that's kind of the conversation I want to have, yeah. And the other conversation is where do my rights to say what my fucking money gets spent on begin? Because right. I don't want to pay for somebody's fucking drugs, whether they're trying to get clean or better off there or well, safer yeah. for them or whatever the fuck it is. I can tell you what it's not. My fucking problem. This, this is the problem, though. They're not trying to get clean in a lot of cases. There is no... I don't care if my, they are. It still shouldn't be my financial responsibility. Yeah, well... Yeah, I know, but it would help if if there was a if there was a goal of cleanliness or abstinence, you know. That would help me be less against it having become my financial responsibility, but I'm still always in a. You can't just be taking my fucking money and spending it on whatever the fuck you want. Period. Yeah. If I if that's something I want to support. It's for the greater good. Then I will donate some fucking money down to the local fucking drug, you know, rehab place. Yeah. That's how these things used to run, right? (laughs) That's how they used to run. People got clean. Some of those people, all those people that get clean end up successful in some way down the road and they give back to those fucking things they came from, you know? But now it's just my fucking problem. It's my fiduciary, the fiduciary problem. And then, when I get fucking sick, I'm not allowed in the hospital because I didn't take your fucking shit. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. This is all. Yeah. You can't just keep taking the money. It's all got to. Now I just got to question every cent. You can't have my money to spend it on anything. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I like feel it. bad for those people, but I just don't feel, you know, I just, I feel bad for a lot of people in a lot of different situations. And I don't feel like we should. Decide which ones we're going to help out and which ones we're not on that level. You know, yeah. no, I mean, I'm fucking any of them, honestly. As much as I don't know, you know, I it's harsh to say I'm, that. I'm, harsh I'm, to say I'm, that, but I don't trust the government with my money, and their programs don't work anyway. Right, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I come from there. I almost made it. I almost ended up on the street. I mean, a little bit longer. I pulled my chute just at the right time, and I didn't end up there. But I mean, it was close. So I never officially but, pulled my chute. But the problem is, not the problem, but the, I think my success in that was because I, I, I shot for abstinence, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't trying to just like continue to use in some controllable way for years and years and years. Exactly. And you weren't, imagine like you were at a spot where you were going to be fucking homeless. We're at a spot where we're pushing towards the opposite of that, where, or, you might be homeless, but we're still going to keep giving you enough money to fucking buy drugs with. Yeah. But just enough money to buy drugs with so that every other th- part of your life is a, a drain on my system, including the drugs that I gave you the money to to buy. You yeah. Know? Anyway, that's a weird thing to get into on the Grand America intro. I mean, I'm all for people getting clean. I'm just sick of fucking paying for it. When I look at just the personal amount of taxes they've taken off of my paychecks over the last 10 years, you know, it's like, what in the fuck do I get for that? Yep. Exactly. Ostracized. Yeah. You get, to be, the, you get to be the most censored Indian cowboy in Canada. Most censored Indian in Canada. I don't know why you just love to add that cowboy in there. 
People love the Indian Cowboys. We, we are in Calgary. You have a cowboy hat and a bunch of guns. I mean, you are like almost a perfect cowboy, except you're like a, a bit brown. And a horse. And a horse. You got a horse. Yeah. And cowboy hats. Believe it or not. That's what I said. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So I got a, I got a quote What's for you. Grandma got a slash support, guys. Support is lower than ever for this value for value podcast. We expected some of that when we started the membership based podcast over on the other one, but there's still, you know, tens of thousands of people downloading this podcast. So, I mean, maybe it seems like a bunch of you still listen to it. Maybe forget that this podcast still does take a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money, talent, money, all that. And, uh, we had the big PayPal thing where everyone fucking quit PayPal and most of those subscriptions never came back in any shape or form. Maybe out of, you know, 200 subscriptions lost, we got about 20 back. So maybe you're one of those people, you lost your PayPal subscription back then. Maybe you're ready. You're over the PayPal thing. Maybe you're not. There's Stripe too. There's a bunch of different ways to support. You send us cash. America.ca slash support guys. This is our call for you. Uh, heading into summer, we need some support. You know, like I say, our, our support this show is lower than it's been in five years. We don't want Graham to go back to work. We're going to day job. I mean, have to give up one of the shows. That'd be terrible. Maybe this one I'll go to once every two weeks. Maybe it's not. A, maybe it's uh, too much value. We're not enough. Maybe it's not valuable enough. Anyway, grammarica.ca slash support guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you just forgot. Sign up for a monthly today. Make a one-time donation. Or tell us why you can't donate. Or don't even do that. If you can't donate, just share the shit out of the show. Because we're shadow banned every place. Every place. I'm not even allowed on most social media right now. Except Instagram. That's the thing. I mean, I was thinking about that. Remember the day when we first started out this podcast? 2013, we had a a good start. We were very fortunate. We had some great guests on right away. Like We have been very, very fortunate. I've been doing this steadily for every week for 10 years. And I remember those days, like you would actually show up on the front page of the iTunes podcast directly. Like that was a way people found you. Like people would actually find you in iTunes. I don't know, not even YouTube back then, really. I mean, there wasn't even a lot of other apps. It was kind of like all sort of, you know, there was, there was some other apps, but that discoverability is just gone now. And now all the mainstream people have their own podcasts and all the researchers have their own podcasts. And I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that it's it's changed so much in ten years from a discoverability point apart uh, point, you know, especially yeah. with all the shadow banning. So I guess that's what I'm saying with all with all the shadow banning is there is it's very very difficult to to get yourself seen out of this little milieu that we're already in, whereas before it kind of just happened a little bit organically. I like how Instagram tells you they're shadow banning you. If I go to my Instagram account status, it'll actually say, let's see, features I can't use. I can't go live for 25 days. That was at 90 days for a little while. I think I might have mentioned that. It took a little off. It took 60 days off for good behavior. Do we have a jingle for your your censorship segment? No one sent in a censorship one. Okay. We do have uh, Old Faithful. But if I go to my account status on my Instagram, 
It'll just tell me straight up. It says, we, your account cannot be shown to non-followers. <laughs> so, but it's still blowing up. Where do I find that? In settings and privacy? or where? You have to go to settings, account, account status. Settings, account. I'm just going to look at our main grammaric. It'll account. say if there's features you can't use. or Is more an account Facebook, center, maybe? I have Facebook hit me up with like, Three thirty days concurrently, and it was all on content that was old, like stuff I posted in April and May and, and March. Oh, that's so bam, weird! Bam, bam. So I can't weird. go live for ninety days or some shit. It's so weird. And then Twitter just banned the shit out of me. They won't let me back on. They won't hear my appeals. I'm just still appealing. I've appealed thirty five times now. They just don't want to hear it. So. You know, that's uh, but if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's my only real personal social media presence right now where I share some of the best memes in the world is Darren underscore Grimes underscore. You'll have to type that in exactly, <laughs> or you won't find me. Be prepared, though. I mean, be prepared. it'll warn you, it'll warn you multiple times, it'll ask you if you're sure that you want to follow me, and you might not be sure, you might not be ready. Or the heat that I bring on Instagram. You might not be ready. Remember, Graham famously kicked me off of the the Gramerica Instagram account. Did I? I don't think yeah, so. Man. Yeah, you did. Because what we got like a another we got a suspension or something for something, and you're like Jesus, man. <laughs> so if you want to see the dankest memes, Darren underscore Grimes underscore. Uh, of course, we got our other chat, America.ca slash chats. You can jump in there. And then there's still uh, the Telegram, which I like more and more. I don't yeah. want an interface. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, America uh, Telegram. We kind of got trolled for a while in there. It got it kind of got nasty for a little bit. And we were like, what is going on here, you guys? It's supposed to be for listeners of the show, people interacting, friends of the show. Like, not for people just to troll us with a bunch of bullshit. So that that cut cleaned up and it's been pretty good again. Absolutely. All right, let's have uh, the jingle, right? For the yeah. quote. It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? I don't think I've ever, I don't think we've ever heard this one before. Okay. Who, who said this from the days of Spartacus wise hop to those of Karl Marx and down to Trotsky, Russia, Bella Kuhn, Hungary, Rosa Luxemburg, Germany, and Emma Goldman, United States. This worldwide conspiracy for the overthrow of civilization and for the reconstitution of society on the basis of arrested development, of envious malevolence, and impossible equality has been steadily growing. It played as a modern writer, Mrs. Webster, has so ably shown a definitive, a definitely recognizable part in the tragedy of the French Revolution. By the way, that must be Nesta Webster who, while we're 
just going to interrupt this quote for a second because Nesta Webster is, uh, her book is on our audiobook channel. It's on our audiobook uh, website, adultbrain.ca, and it's on Audible that we did. And it's uh, called, do you remember what that one is, Darren? No, no, I remember the name. Was it Ayn Rand? No, it's, it's Nesta. No, 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 I'm not finished. That It's uh, Secret Societies and Subversive Movements from Nesta H. Webster. That's what it was. Check out our book from her. So then to continue on here, it has been the mainspring of every subversive movement during the 19th century. And now at last, this band of extraordinary personalities from the underworld of the great cities of Europe and America have gripped the Russian people by the hair of their heads and to become practically the undisputed masters of that enormous empire. I don't know. Winston Churchill. Uh, you think he was all right or what? I don't know. Not really, but it, that quote sounds all right. I mean, this is one of those conundrums, I think. I got some new Ayn Rand shirts in today. What is it, your Ayn Rand shirt say? This one just says objectivist. Uh. A equals A. Because some controversy in 2023. I, I yeah, I don't really like her objectivism. I mean, objectivism has always caused some some yeah. bullshit. And uh, then I got an Alice Shrugged one and a Henry Work Architecture one. Cool. Yeah, well, you're a bleeding heart, Graham. Still, you're not. You haven't fully. Uh, no, no, no. I, it's more of a spiritual thing. Now? It's more of a spiritual reality than her objectivism. That's True. all. She's an atheist. Yeah, that's the part. But if you just mix that with spirituality, then she's more spiritual than she thinks. <laughs> exactly. Um, all, all right. right, I got a project. I got one. You got a WAPO? I got a WAPO. Looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dishfire. Prism. Sentry Eagle. Sigma. Mannerkin. Artichoke. MK Ultra. Operation Project. I had to. I had to do this one because you know this is because of our episode with Lisa Campion. I thought it was appropriate. I tried to find one that's kind of fitting for this. So. So this is uh, Stargate Project, Investigate Psychic Abilities. This might be the weirdest of all the government ex- secrets. Starting in the 70s, the CIA conducted a series of experiments in hopes of unlocking the secret to remote viewing. This process theoretically allows people to see or experience things that are far away by reaching out with their minds. Um, they say the CIA, it, was, it lasted almost 20 years. The CIA wouldn't shut it down until 95 finally concluding that it hadn't produced any effective results. Go figure. So when I get into that a little bit, it says, uh, this is from CNET and it's back. It's quite a few, quite a few years old, but it talks about the CIA releases, uh, releases psychic experiment documents. And they say stranger things got it wrong. It was the CIA and the department of defense, not the department of energy that conducted covert research on potential psychic abilities. Now, I would like to say that that's because that was back then. Nowadays, the DOE is involved in all those national labs. I mean, they're the ones that are funding all that stuff. So I think I think Stranger Things got it right from a modern perspective. That's just, 
no people don't think that the DOE funds a lot of this stuff, but bum, 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 bum. right. Remember we did that. Remember we did that black project, black budget uh, episode way, way back. Yeah, yeah. On all the labs, I mean, the DOE was funding all those, like Lawrence Livermore and and Los Alamos, and didn't that come out in this feed? Mm, I don't know. I can't remember. So probably deleted it too. So the dubious fictional experiments run by the Department of Energy and Stranger Things may have actually been conducted in real life by the CIA and the DOD. Among the millions of declassified documents the CIA uploaded to the site this week, quite a few reveal information about the Stargate project. Um, the program worked under various code names. Oh, like you see, we've talked about some of these. These code names, such as Gondola Wish, Grill Flame, Center Lane, Sunstreak, and Scanit. It focused on remote viewing, which involves someone known as a remote viewer seeing an object, person, or place from a great distance with one's mind or via an out-of-body experience. According to one of the declassified documents uploaded to the CIA site, the Stargate project at one time consisted of an activity chief, a senior intel officer, three operational remote viewers, a tech, and a secretary. Its sole purpose was to test the methodologies. Um, it uh, apparently proved to be fruitless. I don't think we would agree on that. This isn't the first time the CIA has uploaded unusual files to its website. Do you remember we used to look at that CIA reading room? They've uploaded 1,700 declassified UFO reports. So this article came out in January 2017. So maybe this is also part of the reason why that disclosure happened in 2017 with Leslie Kane and that New York that Times article. Hill? Was that the, the Tic Tac? Was 2017? Yeah, 2017. Huh. Hard to believe. Eh? It's already been six years. Hard to believe it's been 10 years of podcasting. It's hard to believe it's been longer... Our podcasting is it's been longer since that than before that. There you have it. So it says uh, the declassification of 25-year-old records is mandated by executive order, which requires agencies to review all such records categorized as permanent under the Federal Records Act for declassification. Approximately 930,000 documents. That's 12 million pages are now available in the CIA's electronic reading room on its website. At least we have a way to pass the time while we wait for the new episodes of the X-Files. <laughs> we just get 12 million people to read a page each. Couldn't we? Yeah, there you go. That's, that's a good way to do it. All right. Is that all you got? That's all I got. I got so links in the show notes there. Support the show, guys. Do you have a bio? Do you have yep. a bio for... Uh, yeah. So Lisa Campion is the author of the number one... Uh, best-selling books, The Art of Psychic Reiki, and the award-winning Energy Healing for Empaths, as well as the upcoming books, Awaken Your Psychic Ability and Psychic Awakening Journal. She's a psychic counselor, Reiki master teacher with over 30 years of experience who specializes in training emerging psychics, empaths, and healers to fully to step into their... Sorry, my cat's flip, flipping out right now. To full full step into their gifts since the world needs all the healers it can get. There you have it, guys. We need all the healers we can get. We need all the support we can get. And uh, more than that, we need you guys to enjoy this chat with the one and only Lisa Campion.
Hey, Lisa. How you doing? Welcome to Grand hey. America. Hey, Graham. Thanks. I'm um, doing really great. Thanks uh, for having me on your on your show. Yeah, yeah. This this will be this will be fun. Yeah, you being on the other end of it for once, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to talk for sure about your your new book, um, Awakening Your Psychic Ability. Um, important topic. We'll find out why, but maybe like just a little bit about uh, you know your your background, a little bit of a Reader's Digest version of of yourself. You know, just some people yeah. some context. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, so, you know, I was one of those icy dead people kids, and and grew up in the. I was um, born just outside Boston, Massachusetts, in the '60s, and grew up in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Really, just trying to figure out what the heck was going on, <laughs> what what was I experiencing, what was happening. And back then, there were no no books on the topic, no podcasts on the talk, no psychics on TV, nothing. Um, and so I was, I spent the first twenty year. 20 years of my life trying to figure out how to turn it off and basically just pretend to be normal in public so I could, I could get by. And now I feel um, really, really passionately about helping other people that are going through psychic openings, learn how to manage their gifts so they don't have to do it the hard way like I did. So this was like, you were young, right? Like what, six or seven or something like that? I think, I honestly think I was born that way. So my very, very, very first memory is lying in my crib. And looking up and seeing all these light beings around me, like all these glowing people, blowing kisses and all this light. And then my mom walks in the room and comes towards and they all disappear. That's my very first memory ever. So, so when you say you see dead people, like li- literally you see sort of people's ghosts or apparitions, but also light beings. Like, is can you tell the difference between the types of beings uh, when you're younger? Yeah, I could. Um, I, I used to call the dead when I grew up in a really haunted house, um, one of those big old mama Victorian houses, you know, and um, and I, I don't know if it was haunted before I got there or if, you know, psychic children are sort of ghost magnets and, you know, just attract spirits. But when I was little, I called them the gray people and they would sit on the edge of my bed and talk to me at night. And, um, you know, my parents were like, you have such a good imagination. <laughs> like, look at you thinking of all this stuff, you know, well, I don't know where you think of all those ideas, but that. To me, it was a real experience of seeing them, feeling them, communicating with them. And I knew that if I um, if I listened to them, they felt better. And they were really different from the light beings that I saw, you know, like when I was three, when my sister was born and my dad took me to the hospital to look in the little nursery window, you know, and there were all these like, like swirling forms of light in there. And um, later I figured out they were angels, but I didn't really know what they were you know, when I was three. Um, so I just have had those experiences my my whole life and had a kind of revelatory moment when I snuck in the movies to see Poltergeist, the movie Poltergeist. It's probably 12. And there's a psychic. There's this, you know, professional psychic. And I remember going, oh my God, that's the thing you can do. I'm going to be that. I'm going to do that. And she gives this little message about you know, what, what ghosts are, why they get stuck and how you cross them over. And I was like, Oh my gosh, somebody knows something. And it sparked a lifelong love of um, horror movies and paranormal movies. I got a lot of my early education by watching paranormal horror movies. Wow. Did your parents experience anything on any of the haunted stuff in your house? Kind of. Yeah, they did. You know, things would happen like the um, lights would flash and, you know, the stereo would turn on and off, TV would turn on and off and things. But my parents were really cool. They were hippies. They were kind of like, you know, liberal hippie types. And, but they, they didn't know, you know, 
they didn't like drag me to church and throw holy water on me like happens to some psychic kids but they were kind of like scratching their head and going oh well she'll grow out of having all those imaginary friends um but when they look back on it and when my sister looked back on it they you know it's clear there was a lot of activity in our house for sure what do you ever think why why did you get chosen like i, I know i know you kind of believe that everybody mm-hmm. has the ability or everybody can learn to do it but why 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 you do you think you know, I, I feel like it just was part of my life purpose and that my, my purpose here and my job here is to help other people who are going through sudden, sudden psychic openings or having their psychic opens even slowly and to help all the people that identify themselves as sensitives, healers, empaths really understand their gifts and train them up. You know, I like to help people um, go through that process in a more graceful way than I did, you know, thrashing around and learning it all the hard way. Yeah. You know, so I just feel like, I don't know that I was born with that as my part of my life purpose. Did it never, did it never scare you at all? Like the, the sort of the ghosts and the hauntings, like even watching the exorcist as a kid. I mean, like we're never afraid of that yeah. part of it. The sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Demons just scare the heck out of me. And if they don't scare the heck out of you, it's because you don't know enough. <laughs> you don't know enough about them, but they, um, yeah, that stuff was really scary, but for the most part, um, spirits don't scare me. People scare the crap out of me on a regular basis, living people. Um, but spirits, I just never was that afraid of them. They don't have much power in our dimension there. They don't have, you know, much, um, capacity to, despite what paranormal, um, in horror movies would show you, um, they're, they're just kind of whispers here more than anything else, but real people are often, are often the, the problem for, you know, that they're more scary to me. Before I forget to ask this question, that's kind of an unusual one, but I just heard the other day from one of these guys studying the UFO, like a, one of the prominent scientists coming forward about the UFO thing says that he found out that a bunch of people with abilities like psychic abilities and other abilities had, had a, um, a more condensed basal ganglia. I don't know if you know what the mm. basal ganglia is, but it's this part of your brain that kind of wraps around and is responsible for like movement and all, all kinds of, all kinds of like normal functions. But he said that there seems to be some evidence there that says that people who have these experiences have a different basal ganglia. That's not, not unsurprising to me. Um, you know, I feel like I know my brain is different than other people's. And I, um, I wrote, I wrote a blog, an article a while back, you know, or, called are all psychics neurodiverse and i think the answer is yes you know so i i just think like i i'm su- have super bad learning disabilities i can't do math um it you know i'm very dysgraphic and i'm like well i can't do math but i can't talk to dead people so you know it's a good it's a good trade off do you, how do you how do you know or or is there a protocol that you have that uh i mean this is like the you know the big question that sort of we always I have to ask and stuff is um, that you're not getting somebody in there tricking you like some trickster or that some, like when you communicate with whoever's on the other side or whatever you're, you're doing, like how do you protect yourself from, from uh, deception, I guess. Super important question. And it's one that I care a lot about um, in my teaching my students and in myself, mostly because I think we learn the hard way when we don't know what we're doing, you know? And my answer is don't do unsafe psychic practices don't use a Ouija board or spirit board. Don't take the Ouija board to the abandoned mental hospital um, and smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> and then 
you know, and then see what comes through. Like, don't do that stuff. Like if we use sort of our street smarts about it um, and we know how to rise above the astral plane, which is where most of those, those um, trickster beings are hanging out. Um, we, we can avoid a lot of that. You just have to have common sense and know some things. And then we can you everyone has this basic discernment, you know, that we all do. If, if a living person walks through the door, what they say, it takes like 10 seconds or under for you to decide whether that person is, I, I break it down into good, bad, or neutral, you know, creepy, wonderful, or meh, meh, neutral. And we just do this. And I think that's actually a pretty incredible psychic skill that everyone has, but we can do the same thing with spirits. So if you feel something in the middle of your room in the middle of the night, we have to kind of get over that feeling of being startled because our initial reaction is, oh my God, there's something in, our, in my room and it's in the middle of the night. Once you get over that feeling of being startled, your natural ability to discern is going to kick in and you're going to know if it's one of your spirit guides and it's a helpful being, you're going to feel uplifted and calm and safe. If it's a neutral spirit passing through, you're just like, I don't know what it is. And if it's bad, it's It feels bad. We just know. Okay. So I got to jump into that then. So what, what, what if you sense the bad spirit in your room in the middle of the night and it's attacking you? Like, what do you do? How do you get out of that? Um, I know it's kind well, of jumping in the deep end, but I mean, that's, no, that's it's a the great question, question I'm going to ask in the end. I, I love that question. Um, I think there's a couple things, you know, that we do. And the first is like, I sort of start um, asking politely, like if an actual spirit came through and most spirits aren't going to start off attacking. A lot of times they're like, oh my gosh, you can see me. I'm so sorry. You know, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon, ma'am. You know, and a, and a lot of times they'll leave like, do you, excuse me, do you mind? It's the middle of the night, please leave. So if that doesn't work, then we level up. We call on a higher, higher power, um, you know, like really feel your power, like take a deep breath, feel your power in your solar plexus. And I, 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 I point my finger and I say, I use my bad dog voice, <laughs> like bad spirit, get out, you know? And, and if that doesn't work, then, then we have to do this spiritual equivalent of calling the cops. And that's where you call on a higher power in the name of Jesus Christ, Archangel Michael, Buddha, Allah, whatever. I command that you leave. And that, um, is calling on these higher forces that are stronger than we are as we little humans to come in and take care of it. Now, 99% of the time, 90% of the time, one of those things is going to work. And if it doesn't, you've got a bigger problem. That's when you need to call in like really a specialist who, um, who can handle, you know, the really, the really negative malevolent spirits, which fortunately they're, they're out there, but they're not really that common. Yeah. 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 Do you do that? Do you deal with that kind of stuff, or do you not anymore? With somebody else, stop. I'm I'm done with that. I used to do it. I spent years and years doing it. About ten years back in the in the the '90s and the early 2000s, and same thing. No one was doing it. I had no idea what I was doing. Made every mistake in the book. Learned it all the hard way. Um, and now you know. Now yeah, definitely I contracted out. It's this high risk specialist. Um, psychic skill, not for the faint of heart. And really you should be very, very well trained if you're going to yeah. do that. And there are people who are really good at it. So I'm more of a healer, you know, like I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's, that's more my jam. Does Jesus work better than those other names you mentioned? Cause I mean, it, it, it comes up all the time too, where Jesus seems to be the answer to a lot of people say that's the only way they can 
get rid of it. He was a fantastic exorcist. Or or is it just about the you intention know? more than the name? I think the name does matter. Um, Jesus works because he was a great exorcist. You know, he's always casting demons out of people. And, you know, um, my, uh, Archangel Michael works really well, too. And there are certain ascended masters who specialize in sort of exorcisms or spirit removal. And I think calling on them actually does work better. But I also feel like calling really whoever you feel comfortable with. If there's something in your faith tradition, we don't all come from the same faith traditions. But if you really have, a, you know, um, a feeling or a connection with one of the ascended masters or archangels, then then call on use that. Yeah. What about? Do what you is, have a question? Yeah. What does the weed got to do with it? Because <laughs> well, I'm smoking weed all the time. Am I letting bad shit in, or what's going on? You know, you can be if you start getting paranoid. Then that's something to think about. So sometimes, you know, substance and weed is really good medicine for a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's really good stuff for if you need if you need if your brain chemistry needs it, by all means, d- um, do it. But for people that are really psychic, um, it can compromise the boundary layer of your energy field. Sometimes I see like almost shreds in people's the this outside edge of their field. And my theory is that if you start feeling really paranoid, if you're smoking a lot of weed and you get to that paranoid phase, it's because you kind of shredded your first line of, of defense. And that might, you know, might be a time when you step back. It tends to weaken our defenses and make you more psychic at the same time, which isn't always a great comment. Like if you're sitting at home chilling out, that's fine. But if you're exploring the abandoned mental hospital with a Ouija board, it's going to compromise you in a way that might be Really well, unpleasant. I'm just sort of like, I'm just high, you know, whatever I'm doing. It doesn't matter if it's at work in the morning or. And you're never paranoid. So I wouldn't I'm worry about that paranoid. leaky layer. I mean, don't worry I about mean it. today, before, working I for passed, you. before I pass the cop car, I put the weed in the center console because I always know when I pass a cop, it's an opportunity to get pulled over. Right. But, you know, I'm not feeling you weren't paranoid, paranoid about, about it. it. No, no, I'll have that conversation. I mean, yeah. I'm going the speed I'm going. That's it, motherfucker. If I've never heard that. I've never heard that paranoid thing before. It makes it's Dude, kind of I know some people that freak the fuck. Out. No, 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 no. I mean about the about the association with the leaky like um, seal yeah. or whatever, whatever you're calling it. Yeah, the I used to get paranoid a little bit as that why psychic. Because when you eat it, it's even worse, right? People eat it and they get fucking crazy paranoid. They think they're dying. I know. Or there's that video of the cops that called the cops on themselves, <laughs> called 911 <laughs> on themselves because they like busted some kids and ate their edibles and then they oh, thought man. they were going to die. And it sounds crazy, but I know like a half a dozen people personally, my fiance included, that have ate too many edibles at some point and thought they were going to die. That doesn't go well for you. Yeah, I know. I- I mean, some for some people, cannabis just fixes your brain chemistry, and you know, caffeine fixes my brain chemistry. Like, I, I don't know, we all have our things, right? Um, that work for us, but and also alcohol, like, also can like blur the boundary of your energy field, and so you then you're in a place like a club or a bar, um, and bars, you know, the kind of bars where people go to drink, like not the fun, happy, like wine, you know, bistros, but like the, the lounge, day, yeah, not, day yeah. drinker bars, you know, like those. Once they are full of entities and negative spirits, that is not a cool place to to drop your boundary. And then you go in there and drink too. And you just, you know, I think part of the hangover sometimes is we pick up some friends when we, 
when we drink like or or substance abuse in places like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I went through mm-hmm. you know, it just makes me think cuz I went through recovery 15 years ago and and I was par- I was a paranoid like I would get a little paranoid on the weed and sometimes on acid or mushrooms I would get a bit paranoid too. Like I mean, I couldn't even, mm-hmm. you know, be out in public or anything like that, but I wonder mm-hmm. if you know, me sort of hitting the bottom and go having to go through all that uh was somewhat um a spiritual mm-hmm. malady, you know, for me. I I do think that there there's something there, you know, like I Back when um, I used to have my office, my brick and mortar office, there was a um, a sober house right down the street from me. And the, the kids, mostly kids, would come through there. And I would, they'd come and they'd knock on my back door and, they'd be, and they were like, we heard you help people like us. And I'd bring them in and I would take all the entities off of them. You know, and a lot of times people who are really, have been really struggling with addiction, all drug or alcohol addiction, get kind of covered with stuck dead people who are also addicted to their sub. Sometimes those addictions are so strong. They keep you earthbound. Like your, your addiction is so strong. You don't cross over and then you kind of latch on to somebody else. Wow. Who's doing your same substance, you know? Um, And then there's often a lot of non-human like real entities on them too, because they have these compromised um, and energy fields with a lot of internal pain, a lot of pain and suffering. And that's often what the food for these non-human entities, these astral entities are. So what would happen is I take, take all that off of them and they just did a lot better in their recovery. You know, they, it was, the recovery was easy, you know, easier for them. If I could clear off all that, all that spiritual, you know, hangers on, it gave them a leg up in their recovery. Wow. That's great. Yeah. 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 I used to like to do that. So I felt like I was really helping. Yeah, well, for sure. Um, Can you, do you just ever, see that you, gent when you see that kid? You just see him like crawling around on him like little lice or something? It's, they look like all different kinds of things. Like sometimes they look like like there's a person standing next to you or a little too close to you. Um, you know, I, or I'll see like um, I'll look at you and I'll see like sort of sort of creepy. So I apologize. But I'll see like a face kind of swimming around in your body somewhere. And I'm like, what's that? Like, what? That's not, a, that's not, that's not good. Or they look kind of like leeches or ticks kind of that have to be removed. So it's not really that nice to look at, but it is just like you pull ticks off your dog or you pull leeches off you. If you went in the swimming in the swamp, it's kind of like that. Did you uh, did you ever do the crossover work? Like I know Monroe Institute had that that program mm-hmm. where you can help people cross over. And since you sort of learned that early on, did you end up experiencing any of that work at all? Yeah, I didn't train with them. I uh, think they're a fantastic organization and respect the heck out of all the things that they do. Yeah, yeah. but I I learned how to do it myself when I was yeah. a kid, talking to the to the gray people, you know, um, the sad gray people, and I learned that if I listen and sort of help them unpack their trauma. I actually studied, I became a therapist. Um, I started working as a psychic when I was 19 and then quickly learned that I needed more skills and went back to school and, you know, became a therapist. And, and I always say like doing um, releasement work is a lot like doing therapy. You know, there's something that that's bugging them that they're holding on to, And when they can communicate it, um, they feel better. You know, sometimes it's true, like when they say in the sixth sense, like they don't know they're dead and we have to kind of break it to them kindly. But a lot of times they're stuck in a trauma loop. They're stuck in, 
you know, attachment and trauma. They haven't been able to process what happened to them, especially if they died suddenly or they kind of died outside their own timeline. Like we really have like a kind of like an appointed time of our death. And we know this when people die. We like my dad passed away in 2020 and he was 83 and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, it was his time. It was a blessing. It was his time. We know that. Right. And we also know when people died outside their own timeline because we can't make sense of it, you know. And people, you know, kids who die in like the fentanyl deaths or sudden accidents, overdoses, things like murder, suicide, things we don't expect. The we know it's not their time and we have a we have a difficult time processing it. And so do they. So I would say, you know, like spirit releasements, like doing therapy, but they don't, you know, keep my office hours or pay my fee. It's community community service. Because I am staying in the Airbnb and I really just want a good night's sleep, you know. And uh, I want, you know, the person that's coming after me to have a good night's sleep. So we we just do it as we come along because I, you know, we got to help people. Ghosts are just dead people or just people. And, you know, we need to help them when we can. So you mentioned training yourself and also how you train you train other people. I mean, how how do you know that um or how do you make sure that you're you're going through enough sort of like I don't know what to use initiation adeptship? I mean, there was this the <clears throat> the spiritualists and the theosophists back yeah. in the 1800s that would warn people to like you have to go through protocols and training. Like you can't just jump into all this stuff. Like they were even warning against yoga and meditation if you weren't experienced enough. So how do you make I, sure that you go through the, enough of that proper training? Well, we do. And that's part of the reason why I wrote my book um, or I write my, all of my books is because I want to make that training available for people. And it is absolutely true. I agree with them. You know, it can, can be dangerous if we don't do it. You know, if you, if you're doing all that, it's like being street smart. If you know what you're doing, you have a guide, you have a map, you can do it safely. And if you don't, you can get into some trouble. Um, for sure. So it's definitely good to find a reputable teacher, find, you know, do your, your research on your teacher, make sure that they have studied. And there's a lot of like, you know, the TikTok psychics, like they, they were psych, they became a psychic five minutes ago. And, um, and that, that might be not somebody you want to study with. You want to make sure they've, they've done their chops, you know, and they know what they're, they're about. They have a good reputation and some training behind you. I was just reading an article from Manly P. Hall in 1931, and he was warning, he was talking about, it was the seven-day American Mahatma. So he's like, he was like railing against these like fake gurus that would come over, like these Americans that would say like, oh, I'm the only one that's taught with this guru. And they would like mm -hmm. take people over to India to to try and meet the guru. And then, I mean, it was just, it was fascinating to me that that he they were worried about um, the false healers and gurus back then in the early 1900s like to me it, sure. it would never even cross my mind that they were so prevalent back then but i guess it was already coming west it it was and also just straight up charlatanism you know yeah um and there were a lot of especially with the spiritualists like i live in new england and there's a lot of spiritualist churches here they're you know it's it, and they are a great place to get training by the way so if you have a spiritualist church around you they they are um very very good places to get especially if you want to be a medium um, and you know, way back in the day when they, when they first started it, um, in the 1800, late 1800s, it was because so many people were dying, you know, the dying of wars, dying of illness, tuberculosis, so much loss of life, um, that people were really hungry for answers and that just, 
sprung out of that came out a lot of charlatans who were just there to take people's money. And it still happens. It's still, I, I have to like constantly tell people that I do not solicit readings because my Instagram account gets hacked like every five minutes. And those people will be like, oh, get a reading from me. And I'm like, look, don't. So it, don't, don't, don't fall for that. And we, so we have to keep our wits about, about us and make sure when we go to a psychic that they have good cred. Um, and a lot of psychics, there's no regulating um, board here. So there are a lot of people that have a lot of talent, but don't have proper training in ethics, you know, and I've done a lot of cleanup sessions for people that have gotten jacked up by bad psychics, well-meaning people who What's told them, you know, that looks like, um, you know, oh, do you know your husband's having an affair and the, per- the person goes home and the husband's not, and now they're headed to divorce court for no reason. That looks like, um, oh, do you know you were sexually abused as a child, but you don't remember. And then you go to therapy forever. And now you're just, you know, a- there's a break in your family and you won't talk to your parents. And, you know, now you've got a big problem or it looks like this is my the worst one, probably. Oh, you've got cancers, but the doctor will never find it. And that person's just like been to every now terrified out of her mind, been to every, you know, can't find any relief because the doctor's like, you don't have cancer. And she's like, but the psychic said you would never find it. And, you know, the that those are those things happen or. You know, you've got a curse and for $10,000, um, I'll take it off, but it's got to be cash and you can't tell your husband or it won't work. That's another good one. It's a good, that's a hustle, you know? So we just have to have our wits about us and have some common sense. Like good, all of this, um, good psychic self-defense starts with common sense and street smarts, you know? Is there any other protocols in in your teachings that you have to put everybody through, like sort of an initiation type thing? Like, mm-hmm. I do teach ethics a lot. Um, that's something that's really important for me is to um, train people. I know it's really exciting when we start getting psychic information about people, but we we really need to learn how to keep our mouths shut and not share every little psychic thing, especially when we're learning, because. You're, you know, no psychic is, is right 100% of the time. You know, the best psychic is only ever right like 80% of the time on a good day. So we have to be really careful that we don't invade people's privacies. I have a don't ask, don't tell policy, even with my friends. You know, I don't try to let that interfere with my friendships. Um, and and my friends, my kids, if they people do not ask me, I don't say psychic things. Because I would have no friends if I did. Every right. little psychic thing that passed through me, I would have no friends. So we need to be quiet and be respectful of people's privacy. Yeah. Mm. Are, are we, uh, what do I want to ask you about now? Do you, I mean, you mentioned traveling through the, those invisible realms, like the, uh, the astral, you mentioned the astral realm with some type of entities that are there. Like you've sort of done some mapping work of, of the other realms. Can you talk about yeah. that a little bit and how sure. the differences between that? Yeah, and my map is sort of a modified map that the, the Theosophical Society that you mentioned um, came up with. It's kind of um, based on that and then fleshed out with my own experiences. But I do feel like a map is super helpful. And again, going back to that street smart analogy, um, because it feels like if you're going through a psychic opening, it feels like random stuff's happening. It's not connected. You know, it's 
just random. It has no sense or so no meaning to it, but it really can. And so I, you know, break it into sort of three realms. And this is from the Theosophical Society, the lower realm, the middle realm, and the upper realm. And learning how to navigate these um, and then moving sideways through the realms um, too can help us orient ourselves so that we understand what where we are, what we're doing, what kind of beings we're dealing with, where not to go, um, and and just how how to navigate through all of that. So what can you mention some of them like what kind of beings are in a certain realm? Like to stay like if you're gonna stay sure. away from the, lo- the astral is really where you want to stay away from, especially the lower astral. So the astral is one dimension away from us, you know? Um, and some people, um, you know, envision this as somebody said to me the other day, oh, it's like rooms in a dollhouse, which I thought was a really great analogy. Um, the, the quantum people say they're bubbles, you know, like bubbles that intersect each other um, or are next to each other and sometimes cross over. Like sometimes the, the these points of the bubble intersect for moments. And that's when we see ghosts. That's when we see or cryptids. It kind of explains like why we see cryptids or even UFOs, these multidimensional beings that exist um, alongside of us in dimensions. Um, And when you're psychically inclined, sensitive, or you're in the right place at the right time, we can experience these beings. It's the astral plane that's the one that's directly next to us. And I think you know, that's where the cryptids are. That's where on one side you have dead people, the stuck dead people, ghosts. On the other side, you have earth spirits like fairies and spirits of the natural world. But if you drop too far down, if you go down into the lower astral, do you, ever, do you guys ever see the movie Insidious? Terrifying, right? Oh, I don't know if I did. Ooh. The, is that the dream one? Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's the dream. Oh, dream is it? Different levels of dreaming. So. No, that's Inception. There's one called Insidious. It's there's three of them, and they they did whoever did that was pretty psychic and gave wow. a really accurate depiction of the, what the lower astral is like, and it's absolutely terrifying. If you want to give yourself a good scare, wow. Um, and to me, it was super scary because I was like, well, it's a little realer than what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> it's a little more accurate than I feel comfortable. Um, and and we just run into some pretty nasty critters down there in the lower astral. So you so definitely is that like what de- demons and devils and stuff like that, or like what, that's even what? lower. That you know the things on the lower astral plane are more par- they're more like parasites, you know. So they're um, they're parasitic demons. Fortunately, are really rare, and you really have to look for them. Um, you have to go out of your way, sort of, to invite them. So don't do you know join a cult. Don't don't do us. Join a satanic cult. Don't do blood, you know, sacrifice rituals. Don't conjure demons. You know, don't get satanic symbols tattooed on your body. <laughs> don't do those things. And if we don't do those things, we just really, really, it's extremely rare to run across them, thankfully. Do you wonder why there's so much more overt symbolism out there then? Speaking of all that, I mean, it seems like it's kind of trendy to be following Satan and do this, the, the blood stuff and... You know, totally it's becoming is. like, it's becoming a, a thing. It is becoming a thing. And that does make me really nervous. And you can find all that stuff on the internet. Just like you can find a recipe to make a bomb. You can also make up, you can find a recipe to conjure a demon. And I don't know if people, who knows why people do the things they do. I don't know. Some people are really attracted to the darkness and really called to that. Some people, I think, just think it's a, a, a laugh and they don't really think that it's real, you know? And I think a lot of people go into par- the paranormal investigation because they're they want to think it's real, 
they're not really sure, sort of titillating, exciting. And then, and then something happens um, that makes it real. And then, then that's an earth shaking moment. You're like, oh shit, this, you know, this shit just got real. That changes things, you know? Do you think that there's a risk of a bigger picture kind of like a egregore, egregore type thing happening? And are we at a spiritual war? And is that part of the spiritual war? Do you think? You know, I go back and forth on that, um, Graham, and I, and I honestly have a hard time um, coming in my own in my own heart what's true there. Um, I certainly can make a case for that and Me see too, yeah. evidence of that evidence of that all over. And there are days when I'm like, I don't want to believe that it's true, <laughs> so I'm just going to believe in a higher power and just think we're going to, you know, my my faith actually, you know, in that. Like I I guess my current feeling is that we we still we're still at a choice point you know we're still choosing um and that we're, we haven't gone to the point of no return yet and all i can do is to continue to choose the light to choose a higher vibe to the only thing i have control over in the world is the state of my own consciousness and um to keep that high and in a good vibe and hopeful and help, help people uncover their lights you know it's just if we can get all the light workers lit up and add more light to the situation um, if if we are in a battle between the light and the dark, I'm standing up for the light and doing what I can to help other people do that. I was a Star Wars fan, you know, when I was a kid and still am. So I'm just like a Jedi Knight. I'm going to choose the dark side is real, but I'm going to choose I'm going to choose the light um, every time. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I, I just I flip flop back and forth. Yeah. All the time on that, you know. I see evidence for it, and then I, the I, I light, don't know. The light side or the dark side? No, 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 no. Just whether there's a massive spiritual war or not, or, or how much of it is just how much of it is just organic uh, human culture evolution kind of thing, or how much of it is like uh, how much of it is a dark force pushing this upon us right mm -hmm. now. That's the, or how much how much of it what, is a manifest. I don't even know what side I'm on. Oh, right. Some people would say I'm on the dark side. Others would say I'm on the light side. Depends who you ask. That's why it, that's why I flip flop back and forth because you know it's a perception thing as well you know yeah even the people like the theosophists and stuff would say you know just Satan isn't necessarily I mean I I have no I like I don't know this is totally speculative but it, my, the sense is is that it's not really Satan that's evil it's how you use it or whatever or the symbology and all that it's just symbols but it's how you use it it's how your intention so. Or whether yeah. that's all just a reflection and manifestation of our own nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do we do we make up angels and demons because we need something to represent our inner our inner light and dark? Um, I I don't know. I I certainly can make a case for the I I one of my spiritual teachers called it the forces of opposition, and I kind of like that term because it they sometimes they're human, sometimes they're non-human certainly feels like there is something like that going on. And yet I feel like when we rise above, when we hit a certain level of consciousness, we rise above the polarity, you know, the duality of that battle. And, and it's almost a different reality. It's like a different rule set in there, um, which sometimes I can access that. And other times I'm just down in the battle with everybody else. Oh, that's really interesting. I like that rising above that polarity. Yeah. Yeah, I get the sense that you you can you kind of feel like to, you can protect yourself by being very confident and sure and positive. Like it's about intention and high vibes. Like it really is, you know, mm -hmm. getting in that vibrate vibratory state is really protective. And having good common sense. 
So I started my life as a martial artist, you know, um, in my young, young years, um, mostly because I wanted to be a Jedi Knight, <laughs> but I also didn't want to be afraid. You know, I didn't want as, as a woman in the world, I went to college, I went to a big party school and I didn't want to be afraid. So I studied martial arts and what I learned is, you know, be relaxed and safe, but you know, you can feel safe when you're strong and when you know what to do, you know? So I, I think when we're strong, we know what to do and we, we have common sense. We have spiritual power. Uh, you know, I've seen people get rolled um, when they, when they were all alike, but had no common sense. Interesting. Did you get like, like a black belt or anything? How well did you, how far did you go with your martial arts? Yeah. Art? Yeah. I got a couple You're of black, black belts. Belt? Really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. In what? So you could okay, fuck now, me okay. up. Okinawa and karate. Okinawa and I Goji. Never yeah. See, you never I know. Know. I, I look like such a cup cupcake, but really I could <laughs> I could go. I could go. <laughs> I still like to get in the boxing ring. I go in the boxing ring and I I I sometimes scare myself. Good for you. It's fun, it's fun for me. So. Did you I mean, did you use any of your like did, does how much does the psychic part play into the or your, let's say the invisible realm part play into your martial arts? I mean, did you were you able to harness chi a little bit more than you, mm -hmm. you would have thought? Or? Yeah. Yeah, it was really cheating? good. You know, I, What? Is that cheating? Is that cheating? Like if your opponent's <laughs> not psychic, are you cheating? No. I, I, I feel like for me it was a really good way to learn about energy. I mean, you know, I started when I was 16. So I, my friends were were leaving their house in the middle of the, you know, middle of the night to, like, do drugs and have sex. And I was sneaking out of the house to go to Chinatown. And go to the Kung, the Kung Fu, the Shaolin Temple to study Kung Fu. Wow. Yeah. My parents wouldn't let me go because Chinatown in Boston, that was a red light district. It was dangerous. <laughs> and they were like, you can't go there. And I was sneaking out of the house on Saturday to go train, you know, train martial arts. I was dedicated. Um, and I feel like it gave me that, like that really deep understanding of chi, like you said, the flow of energy. And then I, I moved to Japan after I, after university, I lived there for a couple of years and I studied more, I studied more, um, Qigong and, and all this, um, energy stuff that was really a lot, you know, late eighties, early nineties. Um, and there really, there just wasn't a lot of stuff out there, you know? Um, so in some so ways was, that kind of like nurtured it or spun. That's kind yeah. of what you going down this thing was the martial arts. Absolutely. And then my, my hippie parents took me to transcendental meditation when I was 10. It was 1974. And I met Maharishi Yogi because that's what you did when you were a hippie in 1974. You went, you studied TM. So I learned how to meditate. Who does that? Like, I don't know. And then after that, they, they, God love them. They took me to, to remember Silva, Silva Mind Control. Now it's called the Silva Method. All through high school, I did that. And it was such good training for a psychic. Um, per, and it's still excellent training. Um, so I what, what was had it called these, again? What was it called again? Now it's called the Silva method, and you can Silver, find okay. it. You can find it on Mind Valley. Yeah, uh, Mind Valley's sort of taking it. Um, but back when I did it, was called Silva Mind Control. Okay, okay. And it was all about meditation and learning how to shift your brainwave state into the alpha. It was the first time I'd heard about guides. That they and they teach you how to meet your guides and they train your memory. Um, and it, I think the between transcendental meditation as a child, silver mind control and martial arts, I had a really excellent start as a psychic. Oh my God. Kind of, kind of made up for all the torture that I went through, you know, at school and all the other um, difficulties that I had to face. Um, 
And I had this really interesting experience with Maharishi. I had no idea who he was. He was just this guy, you know, my parents took me to this thing, whatever. And, um, you know, he brought us back one at a time into this room in the back and he did darshan, like he did Shaktipat, like, you know, to pass like a guru touch. And he was speaking through the translator and he was like, blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and he was like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Like if you had grown up in my country, we would know what to do with you. But because basically you're in America and America is a spiritually bankrupt place, you're shit out of luck. So your childhood's (laughs) going to be really rough, but you've got to stick in because you're going to help a lot of people when you're an adult. And I was like, like, I was like, oh my God, some adult is talking to me about this stuff. That was the first time an adult ever talked to me about it. Who was it? Maharishi Yogi. I had no idea until I went to college and I started studying comparative religion. I was like, wait a minute. I think I met that guy. You know, so <laughs> it was nuts. That's awesome. And then, of course, and then you get into the comparative religion, which must have also sort of complemented the whole thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. I started I started studying um, comparative religion and then it was the 80s. It was the dawn of the new age. Thank God. And I could you know, really um, found psychic teachers. I studied with a shaman. I studied with a channeler and I learned all this really great stuff. And that's about the time I started working as a psychic. So it's really all I've ever done. Wow. Can you talk more about your like experience with martial arts and Qigong in Japan? Yeah, it was crazy. So I got it. Um, I got a job in the jet program, um, which they, back in the day, they would send English speakers over to, to teach English inside the schools. And I, they assigned, I went with my boyfriend and they assigned us into this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, really little farming town. And there's one guy who's a martial artist in the whole town and just happens to be the best student of the founder of my style. And he's a Zen Buddhist monk and a Qigong healing master. It was like, wow. training, with, it was like training with Yoda. And um, we're still friends on Facebook. We're talking. About wow, really? Yeah. So can can he do it? I mean, I, I don't mean to sort of ask these like super brash questions, but was there any like supernatural evidence, like supernatural power? Like, I mean, you hear you see all these movies and stuff, and you hear people about people pushing chi and and yeah. uh, all the monks and controlling their you know whether it's biolocation or their own like physiology. That he's doing is he pushing chi when he does all that stuff? That's sure. the only like, movie I've really seen lately. Yeah, absolutely. That's what he's doing. And so I went. I went to We're Okinawa. Like fireball from like Mortal Kombat back. And I was like, <laughs> hey, you can actually. I think it was Street Fighter. Street Fighter Two. <laughs> it was fun. Those are fun days. Fun games. But I, I was in Okinawa um, studying with like my teacher's teacher. He was this little tiny Okinawan guy, like five foot, like ninety pounds, soaking wet. And he's in this backyard dojo, dojo with, and there's me and a couple of other. Um, of my friends and a bunch of Marines, because you know there's all those Marine Corps bases right on Okinawa, right? And so he, he says to the Marines, come over here and pick me up off the floor. And he goes into this like down, stands, puts his feet into the floor. Five Marines could not pick this 90-pound, you know, guy up off the floor. They couldn't do it. They could not come over. They couldn't pick him up. And then he's like, Come here, punch me. Come over here. And you know, the Marines like roar, jumps in there and boom, up against the wall flew through the air and splat against the wall. They could not lay a finger on him. See, this is what I love hearing that from firsthand, you know, account because, you know, it's, it's just right out of the movies. Kind of, you know? yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. In fact, the, um, the movie karate kid was my style. That was my style of, um, martial arts that I, Oh, studied. you must've loved that then back then. Yeah, yeah. Totally. It was beautiful. <laughs> you and Dave Matheson are probably the two biggest karate kid fans going. 
<laughs> the wax <laughs> on, wax on. Yes, on, wax that on. was good stuff. So, is that how do you like? What's the easiest way to tell if I'm psychic? To like, not even just like, and I don't want it to be subjective. I want it to be yes or no, and like definitive. Hmm. Well, um, I could say yes because everyone is. And I can say, like, well, have you ever had an experience where, you know, you just knew the phone was going to ring before it rang and then it did. And then didn't you not only know who the phone the, that it was going to ring, but, you know, who was calling? Oh, that's my mother. My mother's about to call. Bing. Do you ever had a dream that came true? Do you ever have somebody walk into the room and you just kind of know, like, what's going on with them? Have you ever said, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I could feel that one coming a mile away. Um, those are all really, really common psychic experiences that we we all have and we all relate to. Um, and it, it's so interesting to me because when I was writing the book, I found this old Gallup poll from like the late eighties. And I, and they, I think they pulled like 6,000 people. It's a big one. And of those 6,000 people, like 80% of them said they'd had a psychic experience and the same 80% said they'd never told anybody about it. <laughs> You know, which just goes to tell me that, you know, it's so common. It's stuff that we all, I don't think we would have made it through, through, you know, evolved as humans if we didn't have a really powerful psychic ability. Um, it, but it does take some studying and stuff to get it to really activate it and put it on your fingertips. Why is it important to learn that? Like your book is called Awakening Your Psychic Ability. Why is it important for people to learn how to, how to awaken? I think there's really two types of people um, that I see that need training. Um, one type is people that are having, they're in the middle of a psychic opening and it's happening and they need help. They've taken yoga, Reiki, they did meditation, kind of like what you said, you know, like back in the day, those things were secret knowledge and now they're on every street corner. But to me, they're like, which I think is great. Um, and they're the trifecta of psychic. Open. You do that stuff. Your psychic's going to open. So you do some ayahuasca or some, you know, some mushrooms, your psychic might open. And when that happens, you need training or you just feel freaked out, confused, scared, you know, like you're going crazy. Like you don't, you know, it's not fun to think you're going crazy and to feel overwhelmed and wondering what the heck is going on. So that's one group. The other group are people that really want to open their psychic ability. They wish they were more psychic. They just have an interest in it. Like, just like you have, maybe have an interest in being an athlete or playing you know, being a musician, like you, you have some talent and you want, you know, you want to maximize that talent. You got to work it. You know, the idea that we're, you're just magically sit down at the piano and play like Mozart. That's not, no psychic has done that. Even the psychics you see on TV and the really successful ones, they've worked it. They study, they practice, they train with people. And, and so that's also a possibility. And I think there's two reasons why it's so useful to do that. First of all, it can help us navigate through our own life. It's been a crazy couple of years out there. And I know a lot of people, I'm sure you do too, that really rearranged our life during the pandemic. And they probably felt follow their intuition. They're like, I don't, you know, I'm going to, I don't know why I'm going to move to Hawaii. I'm just going to go or I'm going to quit my J job and go over here and do this other thing. And so we, we can use our connection to that information to help us navigate the, the difficult terrain that we live in. And we can help other people. So we can, no matter what we're doing, like I'm sure you have 
you know, beautiful intuitive leaps when you're in the middle of this podcast. You just know what to say. You you have you're inspired by a question. You feel something um, significant or important, or even who you have on your show. These are intuitive choices, you know, or even psychic choices. Um, and and even in your own spiritual journey, you know, own your own psychic opening, right? Your own spiritual opening had some psychic components to it. Yeah. Um, so I I think it's it's upon us. I mean, some people don't have an interest in their they're like, well, that's not real. That's fine, you know, whatever. They have some a different life purpose. But for many of us, it's just happening, and we need to like get a grip on it, you know. What's the difference between the intuition and the psychic ability? It's just a matter of semantics for me in the way that I define them, that intuition is really our inner knowing. So it's our inner knowledge. You can think of it as your higher self or your own soul giving you information, your own, you know, um, chakra system giving you information about what's happening. Where psychic is really um, where we connect to things that are outside our us, like your angels, your dead Uncle Fred, your, you know, Jesus, Mother Mary, Buddha, Allah, you know, you're getting information from outside sources. And we really need both. The intuition is easier and comes first. And then you have to work a little bit to get the psychic stuff. You mentioned that Instagram thing. I, I got a question for that now. You mentioned sort of like your account getting hacked. And I noticed mm -hmm. that I would get, um, like, the, we'd be followed by, um, psychic mediums hookers. and oh what a lot of instagram hookers that's what i well know. no these are these this is this is the point is that these seem like real accounts like and then as soon as like i follow them or as soon as i can't remember if it's they follow me i get that message that's like hey we'll get you a reading i want to do a reading and it's like well, are they it's very spammy for one thing and yeah and it's and it feels like it's it's spam like it's not even really coming from their account, like their account doesn't seem like it would be spammy like that. So did you mean right. that like when, when did people hack your accounts and send DMs to other people to get them yeah. to respond? Literally every day. And as soon as we take it down, there's a new one and they just, you know, they crib all my pictures, all my posts. It looks identical. They change a little something about the handle, you know? And then they're, um, so you think it's me if you don't, if you're not really paying oh, attention. right. Because it's actually, you know? it's actually a whole fake account. That's It's a whole that's, fake account. That's so close. It, it looks exactly like mine, all my pictures, all my posts, everything. Um, except they change the handle just a little bit. And then they're like, they DM you and they're like, Hey, do you want a reading? I'm having a special. It's a hundred bucks. That's why it seems legit. And that's why it seems legit. And then you send them the money and never hear from them. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you like get any answers from Instagram on that or uh, we shut them down every day, literally every day. I'm not kidding. And oh, it's such ones. a joke. And you know, we get, censored on, we get censored on all these platforms and then they allow this bullshit to happen. I know. So I had to pay, I had to pay for the check. You know what I mean? Like the certified, um, you know, account, the, the blue check, <laughs> the blue check, I, you know, because, but I'm like my, my, my staff, my team, they're like, every day that someone's reporting it and Instagram takes it down. But, and one of the, one of my friends called them cause they'll give you an email address and a phone number. So she called the phone number and she said she could hear a call center in the background. It's like literally like organized. It's not some like individual who's doing it. It's a call center. It's organized. It's scary. Oh, oh, who's well, yeah. So how come they don't shut these things down? I mean, it's just such bullshit. They shut them down, but it, it's like a syndicate. You know? That's what I mean. With, I mean, they should with, be and then, busting them. I don't know. I don't know where they are. Who knows? They're like, uh, they're not even in the States. 
they're somewhere off. Yeah, I see those. They'll come by and they'll like, they won't follow you, but they'll like something to try and get you to be like, oh, yeah, this person followed me. So then you follow them. I seen a fake Coulter Wall just the other day. Yeah. It looks What's like a Coulter Wall? I was going to pull it up now as an example, but it looks like. Uh, it's What's a Coulter Wall? It's a musician from Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Wow. He probably prefers to be called he. I think it's safe to assume his gender. I I didn't know if I didn't know if it was a like I didn't know what it was if it was a a person. I feel I just feel bad because I know people that have gotten you know fooled by that. Yeah, scammed and said they thought they were gonna they were really gonna get me and they get they just get ripped off. Well, it also gives you a bad look because I mean, whenever I got those spams, I'd be like, "Oh, this is like it would destroy my image of the of the of the of the the account of the." I know. So I post all over my account a couple times a week. I do not solicit, you know, readings. I would never do that. If somebody solicits, it's not me, and they just they just copy that too. Wow, that's great to know. Yeah. So you got to be really careful. Have you been following the the UFO disclosure stuff these days? And and what's your thoughts about that as far as like, you know, um, it being either demons and angels or entities in other dimensions or like, is there a bit of a crossover with the work you do and what's happening? Are you, are you, I think there has to be, because I, I see them all the time, you know, uh, or meet people that have had connections with, um, that have had abductions or alien encounters of all kinds. It's just always been a part of my my life is a psychic um, and, and not me really personally, but just what my clients are experiencing. Um, and I do, you know, I do feel like there's out there and again, it's sort of hard for me. Like I, I can go for to discern what's real. I can go into, no, they're only good or no, they're only bad or there's some good and there's some bad, you know, that's, our, that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. There's some that are help here to help and there's some that aren't. And I really created a lot of problems. I definitely think the misinformation, you know, is, is part of it. And um, I definitely think we have some alien tech that, um, you know, that sort of changed our trajectory um, and furthered our progress. And I'm, I'm really curious. I didn't fully believe it until last year when I went to Sedona. And actually, I'm going again next week. And I went on a UFO tour. And they put you out in the middle of the desert where there's really no light pollution and they give you military grade right. goggles you know with, with, just, uh, with what's her name is it a female host uh, yeah yeah just to go yeah yep. i almost did that in 2013 or 2014 oh, oh, so, so good if you get a chance and i just saw some stuff i could not explain I, and i was like it's sort of like seeing it? yeah i saw this like big purple pulsing ball of of energy couldn't see it with my eyes but as soon as you put the night vision goggles on as clear as day and it's pulsing 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 and i'm watching it it's going straight up and then it divides into three the three go all around crazy 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 and then smash back into one wow and that and then boom it goes off like faster than you can track with your eye and i was like i don't know what that was but it was not from around here you know there's nothing on our planet on our tech that can do that and it was like something like that every five minutes for two hours. Wow. That's I was constantly, I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just saw that. Oh my God. I can't believe I just saw that. Oh my God. You know, it was like, then I, my night vision goggles, this was the nuts. This is the part actually I've never told anyone this. So here we go. Here's my disclosure. Um, so I have my night vision goggles on and I, I just put them down and look straight at the tree line right in front of me. And I see 
figures in like shapes, humanish kind of shapes, strange looking. And then I'm like, what is that? And I take the, you know, them off. I can't see and they're gone. Put them back on. They're there. That was like a life changing moment for me. I was like, what the fuck is that? And Uh. I just couldn't. What was your what was your intuition about that? They like ETs or yeah, or some kind of interdimensional whatever. I think they're the same. I think yeah. ETs are interdimensional. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know. There I felt like we were watching them and 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 they were watching us. I didn't get a creepy feeling about it. I didn't feel like they were harmful. It was more the um like the, that moment where it got real to a degree where I could, couldn't I couldn't. Say well, maybe that's true. You know how many? Um, how many of you were out there? There were there was a good dozen of them. And no, there. no, I mean uh, you guys looking, oh, looking around. It was a whole trip. You know, I don't know. They fill up there. They fill up a trip. You go meet them in this. And it Sedona is really interesting because there's very little light pollution and very few satellites going overhead. Um, so you can just see things. It's you know here on the east coast, the sky never really gets dark. There's so much light pollution here. Yeah. Um, you know, so and did I, other people see it too? Or? Everybody saw stuff. Everybody, wow. everybody saw things. I don't know if anybody yeah. else saw the beings on the ground because everyone was looking up, but everyone saw stuff. Fascinating. I That was crazy. I can't remember why I didn't go on that. I was planning on it. I think I even met her. I think I even met her at one point. I don't know if we had the podcast then or not, if that was before the podcast, but. Yeah, she's been. She must have been doing that for a long time now. Probably 10, 15 years. I really recommend probably, it. If, if you, you probably use the newer, the newer version of the goggles too. I think they were only using like Gen four, Gen three or four back then. Yeah, they're brand new, brand new, oh. like mil- military grade night vision goggles. So cool. Yeah, yeah. So, do you travel in the like? Can you leave your body and go to the astral realm, or for you, is it a psychic experience? Like, or do you teach people also how to uh, go out of body? I don't think it's a good idea. Um, now we do it naturally all the time. Many people do. And there's certain people who leave, leave their body fly around at night. Um, and that's fine if it happens on its own, but learning to do it is one of those high risk activities that I don't recommend people do unless you really, really get training. Um, you leave your body. It, it sort of leaves a nice little empty shell for something else to come in. So you leave your body, you go through the astral plane, especially if you don't know quite what you're doing, and you're going to bring back some friends with you. Um, it, it's it's problematic. Uh, and I've done cleanup sessions on that as well, unless you really, really get properly trained. So I don't do it. I don't like to do it. Um, sometimes we do it at night, and it's just part of our natural, like even people who don't think they're psychic will at times travel to the upper astral in their sleep and meet with their team of guides and get course corrections, downloads, conversations. It happened in so, for some people, especially people who don't believe in any of this stuff at all. That's the only time that maybe their guides have an opportunity to connect because your conscious mind's gone bye bye and your, this, your higher self will sort of take, all right, we're going to talk to the now. And that's not a problem. That's fine. Then safe, but astral travel, purpose of it is not is considered a high risk psychic activity. So, so you do, do you do it do you go to that realm without leaving your body then kind of well in a way yeah so you know we learn especially professional psychics learn how to navigate and move through those realms at will 
So we shift our state of consciousness at will, and we learn how how and where to go. If you want to angels, you have to upshift your frequency, you know, at a, to a very high level because they're super high vibrational beings. It takes practice to get your vibe up that high, and it takes practice to learn how to like download and understand the messages that they have. So psychics learn usually on their own how to kind of navigate through the map. Well, if I want to talk to dead people, I got to go that way. Or talk to fairies, I got to go that way. I want to talk to angels. I got to go that way and up a few, a few levels up. Um, and, you know, I just mapped that out the way that I experienced it, which, ha- which happened to, con- you know, connect strongly with the theosophical society and how they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Grabs read like all their stuff. Yeah. Narrated a lot of their books mm-hmm. on audible right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's some people talk about, you know, going to school in that realm, you know, they can spend a couple hours in a course uh, or they can spend a couple years in a course. It only takes them a couple hours. Um, you know, do they, yeah. is this that would they have to leave their body for that? I guess to do it at that level. Like I, I, to me, it's kind of like, you know, people say, well, like if you visit the Akashic realm, are you leaving your body to visit there? Is there a part of you that is, are your guides coming down to meet you halfway with that information? It's kind of, I think really the people that really were um, astral traveling are the trance channels, like the old school ones, like Edgar Cayce um, and, and uh, Jane Roberts, the trance, they would have to trance out, you know, and they, it was like, he was asleep and with Edgar Cayce, he didn't remember anything that, was that he said i think he was probably astral traveling you know um so there's various different ways to do it yeah there's very i tend to like i i teach my students to have their guides bring the information to us i do that because i'm also doing energy work and counseling in my sessions so i can't be like leaving my body in the middle of a session that's not going to help my client (laughs) somebody needs to be there um, holding a therapeutic space in the session, you know, the way that I work. So I learned how to do it a different way. <laughs> you don't feel too good if your psychic's like passed out, you know, and you're, you're, you, there's no one to help you if you're having to think. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been great, Lisa. Is there anything you feel like we missed that you'd like to mention before we start wrapping up? Oh, so good. I'm super happy to talk. You asked all the good gnarly questions and that's what I really like to talk about. Oh, cool. Good. Yeah. Where can our listeners track you down? Do you have a website, any social media? It'll all be in the show notes, but most of these motherfuckers don't bother checking the show notes. So it's always good to just blurt that URL out here and then they can hear it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's lisacampion.com. Um, and I have all kinds of resources there. If you're going through a psychic opening, it can help you. I also have a really good YouTube channel that has a lot of really um, great free information. Uh, if you need to, you know, feel like you want to learn some stuff. So come by my website and say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Are you doing any events or besides going to Sedona coming up? Are you doing any events yourself? Are you going to be attending any at all? Um, I don't have anything on the ticket uh, right now. I, I did a lot of that over the winter. Um, going to expos and things like that. I'm sure I'll get back to it pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Good well, on. thanks a lot. And thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah, I sure fun. enjoyed it. It was so fun. Right on. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. Good luck uh, in the new interviewee venture. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that was a chat with Lisa Campion. What do you think, buddy? Oh, Lisa yeah, that was Campion fantastic. See if you guys are wondering. Yeah, that was great. <clears throat> I love getting the inside scoop about the the push and chi and all that. And the, uh, 
Man, what a what a great story, eh? To, going to, to be Sedona, going through all that. What's that? You're going to Sedona, aren't you? I'd love to. We should we we gotta do something in Sedona. I know it's on the list, but it is a magical place. Maybe we should at least figure out the UFO watch and then you can get me on board with the UFOs. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's as good as she says it is, which geez, it seems to like why I'm trying to think of why I, why I didn't go to that. But anyways, well, uh, yeah, that would be cool to do try. like what you were in Sedona too. Well, no, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I even, fuck, I went to the back of this crystal shop where the lady works even. I was talking to her about it. I think we think we had the show or it was, no, it was before the UFO Congress. That's why I was there for. Uh, At the UFO Congress, we didn't quite have the show yet, I don't think. It was in February and the show started in June. That's right. You went yeah. down and used your holidays to go volunteer as a help <laughs> at the UFO Congress. <laughs> That's right. I did. Yeah. Cute. I remember that it was like, well, what do you do for your holidays? I'm volunteering at a UFO conference. You're adorable, buddy. Big <laughs> thanks to Lisa for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks, guys, if you are one of the one percenters that choose to support our magnum opus here over at America.ca. If you would like to join the crowd, be a one percenter, over at America.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation. Hey, maybe you think you're a supporter, but you're not because PayPal subscriptions drop every day. So double check yours. Make sure if you renewed your credit card, anything like that, that subscription will have dropped off. It'll email us. Usually won't email you. So double check. Do us that favor. If you like us, if you enjoy us, if you're getting some value from a little podcast over here, head over to grandmarker.ca slash support today. Send some value back our way. Ground has finished a bunch more great audiobooks. This Adult Brain logo behind me, adultbrain.ca, Audible, iTunes, YouTube, all that stuff. We got some trips coming up with Randall Carlson in the fall, and we have our first Canada trip coming at you from British Columbia in the icy rivers of uh, the mountains. So, and some hot springs. That's going to be dope. All at contact at thecabin.com. I think that's about it. All my books are free at a Canadian shame.ca now. Anything else? Spam Graham. Yeah, that's it. Send us feedback. Send me your stories. Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. Trip report sightings. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Who's gonna kill this sacred cow? You were never political, anyhow. Since when did you start trusting in the government? Since when was it okay to ridicule and shame your neighbor? Your opinions have become... Your opinions have become as fickle as artificial flavors. What matters most to you? What the TV host told you to do? Or a moral compass that points true north or true? Who's gonna kill this sacred cow? You were never religious anyhow. Since when did you kiss? The ring on the hand of the Pope Since when do we need Pharmaceuticals to cope Your soul has become Ever-loving soul has become As brittle as communion wafers What matters most to you What the Holy Ghost told you to do Or a moral compass that points True north, oh true I'm gonna kill 
kill this sacred cow Bureaucrats think I'm non-essential anyhow Since when has our culture become so lowbrow? It's all touchscreens And nobody has any know-how Your idea of fun your idea of fun is taking a thousand and one photos of your duck face Matters most to you What the celebrities post told you was cool Or a moral compass that points true north or true I'm gonna kill this sacred cow I'm gonna kill your sacred cow I'm gonna kill your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill your sacred cow